Hey babe, welcome to the show. My name is Devani. I have my master of social work and I've been in the mental health field for about five years. Every episode, you'll hear faith and psychology-based mindset strategies and emotional wellness tools that will help you start showing up more authentically, start taking consistent, confident action in your life, and start creating your life by design. Let's dig in. Alrighty. Hello, you guys. Super excited to be here with Alicia. Alicia, tell us a little bit about you. Hey, Devaney. Thanks so much for having me. Um, a little bit about me. So uh, I feel like I always want to default to the normal, you know, like I'm from Oregon. I have two kids, two dogs. I'm married. Um, and that is kind of like the surface stuff. But I guess like a little bit about me is I am a non-diet lifestyle coach. Um, this really kind of came out of like my own personal journey and struggle and really just seeing um, the deep need, I think, for women to kind of learn how to navigate their health and their fitness and their relationship with their body and their body image um, from a place that is a little bit more compassionate um, than maybe what we're used to. So um, I tend to be like a little bit intense. I love random dance parties. I have been in my industry for about 13 years, um, but really just kind of launched my coaching practice. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of changing the world one woman at a time. I love it. And we're going to dig in a little bit because I just, I love that concept of non-diet lifestyle. So like if you want to share maybe a little bit more about what that means or generally like what you're trying to help women with, because I feel like in my own experiences, I see so many women who like try to go super intense, right? Like I'm not eating any sugar. I'm working out six days a week. And then within a month, they're not doing anything. And I'm like, oh, right. It's just not setting themselves up for success. So I would just love to hear more about that. Yeah. So what's interesting, I think really about my story is that I have found myself kind of on both ends of the proverbial spectrum, if you will. Um, I would say before I really got into fitness and nutrition and stuff like that, uh, I was kind of like maybe the quote unquote average American where I just didn't really think a whole lot about what I ate, um, didn't work out, or I would try these, you know, lose whatever pounds in six weeks and I would do a couple of workouts, not see the results. And I'd be like, this isn't working <laughs> and then give up. And so there was kind of this like um, yo-yo sort of back and forth really in the beginning. And then um, over time and just like with consistency and persistence, I was like, no, dude, I'm going to figure this out. So I just kept trying, just kept going. And eventually I did kind of get to the place where I figured out how to like lose weight um, and stay consistent with work working out and staying consistent, like with, um, you know, nutrition or like good nutrition in air quotes. Um, but then it did kind of take a turn into a little bit more of the obsessive and super intense. And, um, you know, that led me to stepping on stage as a figure competitor, which was probably like the height of where I would say like disordered eating and, um, body checking and body insecurity, like that was sort of like a pinnacle moment for me, um, with that obsession. 
Um, so I totally can kind of, I can relate to people, I think, on, on both ends and everywhere in between because I've been there myself. And so really the concept of the non-diet lifestyle is it's looking at changing your lifestyle, like making those lifestyle choices, but without the dieter's mindset. And I would say on both ends, I was operating with the dieter's mindset, right? Where it's like, um, you've got to restrict, you've got to deprive, like you have to, you know, you feel restricted, you feel deprived. It's like you said, cutting all these things out, um, doing these workouts like to a T perfectly, um, really putting like a lot of pressure on ourselves to perform at this like level. But I would say like the energy and the emotion and the thoughts that are fueling it is what ultimately creates that result of not being able to stick with it or no matter how much weight you lose or what you look like, you never see yourself in that way. Um, and so really like the non-diet lifestyle is just like, let's remove the dieters mindset and mentality and let's work on changing the lifestyle behaviors and the choices while we change the way that you're thinking about your body, the way that you think about food, the way that you think about exercise and so forth. I love that so much. And I think too, I think there can be a lot of people who, and this is a huge part of our culture, but a lot of people who get really fixated on just the results mm -hmm. and on just the image, rather than thinking about like, what is your well-being actually, right? Like, especially in the process, if you're talking about you're having all these like critical thoughts and, you know, being super harsh with yourself and setting all these really strict boundaries on what you can do, what you can eat. It's like, is this really benefiting my well-being? Mm -hmm. And like the well, the well-being, you know, looking at at all the different components, right? Of like your mental well-being, your exactly. emotional well-being, relational well-being, um, your ability to go out and be social with people, um, you know, even like your finances, your spiritual well-being, like there are these different domains, so to speak, that really create our entire lives. And I think a lot of times everything else kind of gets lost in the pursuit of a result. Mm -hmm. And in this case, you know, we're talking about the, the pursuit of like a physical goal, but really like that could be in any situation, right? Like if, if it's your finances and you really are like driven and motivated, like I have to earn X amount of dollars and you put all of your self-worth, all of your value in your ability to reach those goals. Um, that's, I think where we get a little bit tangled up and things get twisted and it gets a little bit messy. Absolutely. So it's like continuing to recenter on your values, like what's actually important and then making sure to distance your worth, like not entangling your worth with whatever the goal is. And you're mm -hmm. totally right. I feel like that can be related to any area of life, like business, finances, health, like anything at all. That's your so, marriage, so right? Your yes. relationship with your kids. Like, I think, I feel like that's a lot of the reason that, um, so many of my clients come to me, like, after their kids graduate or their kids are a little bit older and more independent. And it's like, I don't know who I am anymore because they've put all, you know, like all of their identity, all of their value, all of their worth has come from being a mom, has come from doing things for their kids or doing, you know, being a wife. And it's not that like serving those people or like doing these different things, pursuing the different goals is bad in and of itself. But it's the idea, again, of like your self-worth and your personal value is different than 
your roles that you play or the different goals that you are achieving. And I think too often we tie the two up together. And so it's like, if I'm not doing well enough here, or if I'm not reaching the goals or it's not going fast enough, then that's where our confidence and our belief in ourselves and our Mm -hmm. self, you know, our value, our perceived value that we have on ourselves takes a hit. Yeah. And it's so interesting because even in the opposite fashion, I think there could be a lot of people who find their value in, right. And needing to look a certain way. And then maybe they do achieve it, but it's this external sense of needing to check all these boxes off of what I look like, what I do for work, how much money I make, all of these things. Right. So it's like, which, whichever side of the spectrum you're on, making sure that your worth is your mm-hmm. worth and is right coming from that mm-hmm. space rather than depending on these other aspects. And I was that girl that, you know, I, I would have said, I think initially, like I was pretty confident, but I was always driven for more. Like I needed to be leaner. I needed to be a little bit lighter. I needed to, you know, and then I've seen it kind of like transition and translate into the areas of like my work and stuff like that. And so, um, you know, I did put so much of my value and so much of my worth into what I looked like. And, you know, even at 9% body fat, and maintaining, you know, 11%, even after my shows, there was such a fear about like getting fat, gaining weight, um, because so much of my, my personal identity and the way that I valued myself was based on what I looked like and based on like people recognizing and complimenting and commenting. I mean, that's like a whole nother, I think conversation right there in, in the, in why, I would say that's an argument for why we don't even ever need to comment on somebody's body or their weight, because you truthfully don't know what they're experiencing or what they're going through in order to get that. Or somebody could look like they're not, you know, quote unquote, trying at all because they're overweight, you know, or they look unhealthy based on like what we've established as a society, you know, they're in a larger body. But they also, I mean, they could have a diagnosable eating disorder, but it gets like dismissed because they don't look like they fit the mold of somebody who has an eating disorder or is struggling with, um, you know, intense like relationship around food. I think that's such a good point. And it's, I commented on someone's weight loss maybe a month ago and immediately after I did it was like, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Right. Like immediately was like, and those are exactly the thoughts that I had, you know, as I was caught off guard, I was like, oh wow. You know, she'd lost a lot of weight. And then immediately after I was like, oh my gosh, like I have no idea what her experience is, what that's looked like for her. And so I love that concept. And I think that's just such an important nugget for people to hear is like, we don't need to be commenting on right? Which does seem so countercultural, but we don't need to be commenting on people's bodies because we don't know whether they're a little heavier, whether, whether they're a little leaner, like we don't know what their health is like, what their journey has been like, right? They're struggling with, you know, like the weight loss could be a byproduct of losing a child or um, going through a traumatic divorce or, you know, or something like that. And so, but I think you brought up that good point, like in our culture though, Um, that's like very acceptable conversation, right? Is like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. like, are you pregnant or when are you expecting? (laughs) Or, you know, (laughs) 
I was right? like, that's our oh biggest gosh. fear. Like if some, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, if somebody said that to me, but even the thought that like, I would be offended that somebody said that, you know, so it is just interesting yeah. to really think about, okay, like, well, why do I feel like it's okay to comment on somebody's body? Um, why do, you know, why is like the talk always about like losing weight and like the dieters chit chat, as I like to say, you know, like, oh yeah, I don't eat that. Or I'm not doing, you know, like, why is that standard and kind of normal conversation? And I think that that really is kind of like the challenge. And really, I think that is the work that I am doing is like, let's stop normalizing that. Like, why are we not talking about things that will change the world, right? Like, why are we not talking about your ideas and your dreams and your goals? And what are the things that you're actually afraid of? And I just feel like that kind of a conversation would be so much more impactful and would be changing the world um, rather than being distracted by, you know, these other thoughts. And I don't want to discount, like, I know how painful it is to look at your body and not like what you see, but recognize that that could be at any size that could be at any weight. And also recognize that like, there is still more of your life to live than this body that you're in, right? Like this is a vessel. This is a gift that you have to be able to go and give your gifts and share your talents with the world. And so, yes, we need to honor it. Yes, we need to take care of it, but we also don't need to like be obsessing over it like that. It shouldn't be our idol. It shouldn't be the thing that really um, defines who we are or how successful we can be. So good. And I'm so, I'm so glad you brought that up because it sounds like what I would love to know are maybe some of your top insights around finding that balance. Because I know, I know for myself, like sometimes I'll go weeks where I'll work out a bunch and then other weeks where I'll take some time off. And I was just thinking this morning, because like I said, this is something I go through where like some weeks I just want to lift weights. Right. And then like this week I haven't wanted to lift at all. I've just been doing yoga but like being willing to be okay with that and knowing that it's okay that I'm not lifting four days every week consistently all, but like I'm moving my body, I'm taking care of myself, but it's taken a long time to be okay with that. And to know like what, what actually matters for me, you know, and it could be different for everyone, but like what matters for me is moving my body consistently and eating well and, you know, my emotional health and all the things, but I would love to hear more about what that looks like. Just trying to find that balance of prioritizing, but not like obsessing or over prioritizing. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's going to be a little bit different depending on where you're at, right? Like, are you somebody who's kind of just getting started? And so, you do maybe need to prioritize consistency in the beginning, right? Like even if it's just 10 minutes a day, um, looking at like, okay, what can I give today? Like what realistically could fit into my schedule or what am I willing to make time for? And then just practice showing up and doing that consistently, right? Like in the beginning, I do think you kind of have to build the trust with yourself that you are going to continue to show up for yourself. You are going to continue to um, have your own back and you're going to do this thing. You're going to keep your word to yourself. Um, But then I think, you know, that depending on your personality style, like if you're somebody who tends to be like me, it is very easy to go into that like obsessive. Um, you really put a lot of pressure, a lot of expectation on yourself. And so for people that tend to be a little bit more like that, or if you see that in other areas, but you don't even necessarily see it in your fitness journey yet, 
recognize that that is a part of your personality. And so likely at some point that will show up in your fitness as well. And so it's just like learning for those people that tend to be a little bit more intense. It's learning to be a little bit more gracious with yourself. And it's like, okay, well, what do I feel like doing today? And like you said, you know, there are some days you feel like lifting weights, some days you feel like just doing yoga or walking or whatever. And I think for the people that tend to be a little bit more intense, it's learning to be okay with backing off a little bit. Yeah. And like, what does that mean? But I think for both ends of the spectrum, for wherever you are, it's kind of deciding ahead of time, like, okay, I'm going to do this workout. I'm going to, and, and be as uh, detailed as you can, right? Like I'm going to walk for 30 minutes, um, or I'm going to do this 20 minute workout. And this is what it's going to look like. And this is what it's going to be so that, you know, exactly like what the expectation is that you've set for yourself. Yeah. And you, when you plan ahead, you're using the part of your brain that isn't super emotional, right? So you're probably not making the decision. Like if I'm planning my workout for tomorrow, I'm not making the decision based on like, oh, I don't feel like it, or I don't like this exercise that's in this workout. So I'm just going to like not do it. Right. But when we wait till the last minute, that's when kind of that, um, I call it like our, the human part of our brain that really likes to just talk ourselves out of things or, um, you know, whatever the childish part of our brain kicks in and it's like, oh, I don't feel like this, or it's too cold to go on a walk this morning. So maybe I'll just go later. Um, and so that's where like just planning ahead kind of alleviates that, like you could still have that conversation with yourself, but coming in and being like the parent, the loving, compassionate parent. And it's like, I know it's cold. I know you'd rather stay in bed, but remember you did say that you would do this. And with my kids, like, it's really important that I am teaching them to be somebody who keeps their word. Mm -hmm. And so we want to be able to do that with ourselves as well. So if you look at like part of your brain is like the loving, compassionate parent, the other part is sort of like the rebellious child that's like learning and kind of seeing and just starting to notice, like, when am I being more like the child? Yeah. How could I step in and be like the parent, right? But you wouldn't want to be the critical, judging, harsh parent, because we know that that doesn't produce like healthy children. And so it, it's also not going to produce healthy things in ourselves. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're bringing up so many good points. So I love the self-compassion, like bringing in the self-compassion. That's so huge. And then I think too, um, Oh my gosh. What did you say? I'm trying not to type while I'm recording, but then I have to remember it. And I'm noticing it. That's not a strength of mine. I think I need to start writing them down again. Um, but you would, Oh my gosh. Okay. We can just dive into, sorry, my dogs are going a little bit nuts. Um, with the self-compassion piece. Oh, it was self-integrity. This is the second yeah. time I've done this today. The self-integrity I think is so huge because we I think for so many of us, we get so used to, especially because I think a lot of my audience is similar to me and probably you with the high achieving and wanting to do all the things, right? We get so comfortable not keeping promises to ourselves, but always needing to meet the needs and promise, right? Like always yeah, needing those needs of everyone else. But when it comes to something that we say we're going to do for ourselves, so easy to just not do it. And so I think that's such a good point just to mention that it's, it's almost this process too, of just building your willingness and your ability to keep promises to yourself, mm -hmm. to stick with your word. Like you mentioned, I think that's so important. 
Well, and you think about like, if you, like, if you don't have kids, for me, it's really easy to kind of always be thinking about like the parent child relationship. And I do feel like that's a big way that God like will teach me lessons. Um, But, you know, even if you don't have kids and it's hard for you to put yourself in that place, like think about um, a, a best friend who maybe like was always making plans and then canceling like that starts to erode the relationship, right? It's like, oh my gosh, sure. She's going to show up. Sure. She's going to be there. But the same thing happens with yourself when you say, okay, I'm going to start this workout program or, okay, I'm going to, um, you know, try this or whatever. And then you don't like, you keep kind of going back on your own word to yourself. It's, it erodes the relationship and it erodes the trust that you have with yourself. So you know, you just kind of have to be on to yourself with that. And again, like, it's never about like using any of this stuff against yourself to like beat yourself up, to shame yourself, um, to guilt yourself into doing things, because that often produces things that we don't want, like resentment, um, judgment, being overly critical, you know, but just like looking at, okay, if I had a friend that was like constantly canceling, what, how would I show up to that relationship? Right. Well, how am I doing that in my own life? How am I doing that with myself? Yeah. And then asking like, what can I do to start shifting that a little bit? Like, what would it look like for me to even take one little step, right? Like one little step to start building. Cause really it's like, it's the trust. Mm -hmm. It's like rebuilding that trust with yourself that you can say something and then stick to it and actually follow through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Something that you mentioned earlier that I would love to bring up, um, is you said, think about what you're choosing right now. Like whether it's a perspective or something like that, what are you choosing right now? And if you don't like it, how can we change it? Tell me more about what that looks like in your work or just the thought behind it. Yeah. I live by this premise or, and this is really kind of like what I coach by as well is that essentially like our lives are these like little stories kind of woven together. Right. And these stories come from like our, the belief systems, like the beliefs that have been passed down to us either by our family, um, by maybe a religion or a faith practice um, from society and culture and all of those kinds of things shape it. Right. And then we also have our own stories that we're always like producing in our minds based on maybe how somebody looked at me or that person didn't call me back or, you know, whatever. So just the thought that your whole entire life is essentially like all of these little storylines that are kind of interwoven together. Oftentimes we don't even think about questioning those. We just think this is the truth. This is the news. These are the facts. This is the way it is. And when we get stuck in that kind of thinking, we're really like disempowered to to change anything because it's like, well, that's just the way I am, or this is how like my family is, or this is, and you're never going to change anything if you think that that's just the way it's always going to be. Right. But when we kind of open our minds up a little bit to even be willing to kind of question like, well, where did this come from? And why do I believe this? Or why do I think this? And is this something that I want to continue to think or to believe? And you look at like, what is that creating for you in your life, right? Like if you have really critical judgmental thoughts about yourself, the chances are the results that you're producing in your life are going to be a reflection of those critical judgmental thoughts. 
And so as we kind of allow ourselves to get a little bit more curious and to kind of start to question these things, one thought at a time, you know, one feeling at a time or whatever, however you want to process it, um, it, that opens us to start to shift those perspectives a little bit. Right. And I think just even knowing that you actually have the ability to control your thoughts and the things that you think about is incredibly, that's like so useful. I wish I would have known that a long time ago. Right. Like I don't have to just kind of believe um, these things, no matter how many times I've told it to myself, how many times other people have said it about me, the thought is still always optional. Yeah. I love that so much. And it's, it's, it's just coming in with that curiosity and that compassion and just being willing to get curious, you know, Mm -hmm. being willing to ask, like you said, like, where is this coming from? And I think a huge piece of that is being willing to realize that there could be a different way that there's something else that could be possible. And so often we don't realize that because of the people that we spend our time with or who you're living with or, right. So it can be really hard to realize that there could even be a different way. But once we open up to that and then just getting curious and compassionate and thinking like, where did this come from that understanding Mm -hmm. and then figuring out how to shift it a little bit. I love that so much. So good. Okay. So here's what I would love to do for the next little bit is just share if you have like practical, like takeaways, if we have a woman here, right. Who's like, okay, I would love to integrate a little bit more of like a non-dieting lifestyle, right. More of these sustainable practices. What would, what would you say to her? What would be a couple of things to start with? Yeah, well, I think, you know, since the basis really, I think of like living a diet, a quote unquote dieters lifestyle versus the non-diet lifestyle is really centered on the mindset and the thoughts and the way that you approach like eating healthy or making your food choices or even um, weight loss or your own weight or exercise, like any of those things. Um, The first place really is to, again, it's to bring some awareness to like, what do you currently think about those things? What do you currently think when you step on the scale? What do you currently think about your weight or your ideal weight or what you, you know, quote unquote should weigh? Um, What do you think about eating healthy versus or food in general? Um, So you really want to start to bring into awareness all as many thoughts as possible as many beliefs that you have as possible about those different areas around exercise, your body, weight, food, weight loss, whatever it is, um, and just get those down on paper. So getting them out of our head and really putting them on paper creates that sort of physical boundary between us. So a lot of times, like even just seeing it, that's going to bring up some emotion for you, right? But it's also going to kind of start to separate you from it so that you don't any longer feel like you are your thoughts. Because I think for so many people, especially depending on how long you've believed a certain thing, we wear our thoughts like a part of our identity. Well, I'm just I've never been any good at that or I'm just not this way or I just couldn't do that. And so as we start to put that out on paper, we start to separate ourselves and our identity from these thoughts that we think. And then from there, we can kind of start to look at them and start to question them again. Like, where did this come from? Why do I still choose to think this? Um, Is there a possibility that I could think something different? 
-hmm. what might I need to think about this, you know, if I wanted to really create some lasting change. And then you just, again, it's bringing in the curiosity mixed with some self-compassion. And then, um, you know, so really the first point I think is just like recognizing the thoughts that are happening in your head. And then from there, it's like, okay, well, what do I want to feel about food? What do I want to feel about my body? Um, what do I want to feel about my current weight? Or if I, you know, had a goal of like losing X pounds, what do I feel like I would, what do I think I would feel at that weight? Um, you know, and then those kinds of things, and then you can start to kind of look ahead and it's like, okay, so if I can identify what I want to feel in these areas, right. Not what I feel currently, but if I could cultivate any sense of feeling or emotion, what would that be? And then what are the actions that I would maybe take from that place, right. Of like feeling confident of feeling beautiful, of feeling like I have value of feeling like I have worth, those actions are going to be very different than if you tried to take the same actions with the negative emotions, with the negative feelings about yourself and with those thoughts that maybe aren't serving you. And you're gonna yield two different results. So it really is like looking at what am I thinking about these different areas? How does how do those current thoughts make me feel? And when I feel that way, how do I tend to act? And then shifting it into, if I could choose to think anything about any of these topics, what would I choose to think instead? Yeah. I love that. That's so good. And I just love how important the awareness piece is like just starting to be aware. Cause like you said, so often you said a couple of different, really important parts that like, we believe that we are our thoughts, right? So instead of us being the consciousness that is observing the thoughts, right? I'm myself and I'm observing the thoughts that are going through my mind, we are immersed in it and believe that we are the thoughts. So, so important to be able to start differentiating and observing. And I love that you related that to journaling. It's like you're separating it. You're creating that distance. That's so good. Um, and then, yeah, just looking at the different results too of what those different thoughts are going to create. Mm -hmm. So powerful to think about. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I think that you could go, you could do the same things essentially, but depending on the overarching emotion that is fueling the action, you're going to have two different results, right? Like, you know, you could, let's say maybe in both instances, you have the same exact workout plan or you're eating the same exact foods, but if one is being kind of fueled by this negative emotion, then the result is always going to be some sort of a negative result, right? Like you're going to create something that maybe is never enough. Um, something that creates like bondage or oppression or, you know, like whatever. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're fueled more like, you know, Hey, like I care about myself, I care about my health and you're fueled with sort of this positive emotion for yourself or whatever, then taking those same actions is going to yield a result that you actually like and that you want. Yeah. And then tying that back into what we mentioned before about, that's going to have more positive impact on your overall well-being. If you're coming at it from a place of like compassion and I'm doing these things because I want to care for myself and I want to take care of myself rather than this place of never enough, or I need to look this way, or I need this to happen. And I think a huge thing too, that can be so helpful. I love doing values work and like digging into what are your core values in this season. And I think that can be really helpful too, digging into like, 
what is really important to me? Okay. So if health is really important to me, what does that actually mean? What, like, what would having good health actually mean and look like to me rather than, I feel like we so easily adopt all of these standards of like, okay, well, so if health is important to me, I need to have a six pack and like a huge, you know, peach emoji, but, and you know, all the things. And it's like, that's not, so like being willing to ask yourself, like what, if I'm living this value out, what would that actually look like for me? Like, what does that actually mean? And I think too, like along those same lines, well, a couple of thoughts is like, so I think sometimes we can put the things down on paper that look good or that we're like, oh, I want these to be my values, but your time, like where you're spending your time, where you're spending your money, that's going to be more of an accurate reflection of what your values are actually are and what your priorities actually are. So that's like a good potential like gut punch check of like, okay, if I say these things, but where do I spend my time? What do I spend my time doing? Where am I spending my money? What am I spending my money on? Yeah. And do those two things match up? So I think that's like the first thing to like really check your honesty with yourself there. But then the other side of that is there's always an opportunity cost. So if I'm saying yes, to getting up in the morning to read my Bible, to go do a workout or whatever, I'm automatically saying no to sleeping in and scrolling on my phone and like doing these other things. Both of those things are going to feel good, right? One's going to feel good in the moment, but it may not over time, if I continue to do that, it's probably not going to yield a result that I want. The other one may not feel good in the moment, right? But it's like over time, the net uh, value essentially of those maybe tougher decisions in the beginning are going to yield a result that I'm more happy with down the road. So just always keep in mind too, like if I'm saying yes to this thing, what am I automatically saying no to? And do I like that, right? If I say no to this, I'm saying yes to this other thing. And do I like that, right? So just always coming back to, I always have a choice, right? Because so many people, it's like, oh, I've tried everything. I don't know what to do next, blah, 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 you know, but that just, again, that kind of keeps you stuck. It keeps you feeling, you know, not very powerful in your life and in your decisions. So um, do the gut check and then always be weighing those opportunity costs. Yeah. And I feel like those are going to require some radical honesty with yourself, right? So like, go into it and set the intention when you're asking yourself these things, like be really honest, like do not, right. Don't try to sugarcoat it with yourselves. Like be really honest. And I love that you said that, like, where are you actually spending your time and, and resources and money? And then two, like in the moment, I think that's so powerful to ask yourself. So if you decide to skip a workout or even just say one random, you know, morning, afternoon, whatever, you're scrolling social media or you're watching Netflix, right? Nothing wrong with those things in moderation, obviously, but you know, in relation to what we're talking about, like asking yourself, okay, so I'm doing this right now. What Mm -hmm. am I saying no to Mm -hmm. so that I can do this? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's like connection with other people, right? Like how many people you'll be sitting with somebody in the same room and you'll, you're craving connection, but instead of like doing maybe the hard thing and connecting with the people you're in the room with, it's so much easier to just get on your phone. 
And so, yeah, I think, I mean, again, I feel like that in itself could be another episode, but um, yeah, just being aware, I think of always the op- those opportunity costs. Yeah. Yeah. And I will go off on just a side tangent for just a second, because I feel like what you just mentioned perfectly relates to what conversations are we having with other people? Right. And what you said about like this life-changing work of being willing to have those conversations and being willing to make those deeper connections with people instead of just talking about, you know, maybe the more superficial or things like that, right? Like, what are we talking about when we're in community with other people? Are we talking about what are your ideas? What are your fears? What do you want out of life versus keeping it surface level? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think especially like right now, this, the need for connection, like we're all feeling that so much. I mean, there's right now, like in, there's just a lot of division. There's a lot of conflict between people's opinions and thoughts. And I think that we can still have those things and have connection. Um, but I think that is where it, that's the, probably the beginning of the work is like really being willing to be curious and be open to other people's ideas um, without judging them, right? And not judging mm-hmm. yourself either in those conversations, but just leaving the space that um, other people can be who they want to be and I get to be who I want to be. And no matter what we think or how we differ in our opinions or our views, like we can still come together and experience a connection with each other. So, yeah, I love that. So good. Okay. So do you have any last thoughts before I ask people where they can find you and where they can reach out? I don't think so. I mean, I think, I guess the one little nugget would be like, don't be afraid to question your thoughts and your beliefs. Um, Mm -hmm. Even the ones that you feel maybe are a little bit sacred. I I know for myself, like some of the thoughts I have the hardest time questioning are ones that come back around to my faith. Mm -hmm. And, but I think that there still is value there. And if anything, I feel like even just like questioning it, it opens, it's either going to like strengthen your belief in that thing, or you're going to see that maybe you didn't really believe it all that much to begin with, if it starts to bring up some doubt. And so I think that there's always value in kind of questioning your thoughts, questioning where they came from, your beliefs and whatnot. And um, just don't be afraid to like dig in and do the work. It's messy and it's hard, but essentially like everything that is ever worthwhile is so Absolutely. So good. Thank you so much. Okay. So where can everyone find you? And I'm going to list everything down in the show notes, but you can just let people know where to go. look. Yeah. So I actually have my own podcast and that's um, kind of the big thing that I'm driving people to right now, because it's essentially like weekly coaching sessions or just, um, you know, that's really where I'm giving a ton of my value. And that's the strong her way available on pretty much every major platform you could think of. Um, If you're on Instagram, you can find me at um, Alicia Carlson underscore. And on Facebook, I think the little username that you search up is like at the Alicia Carlson. Awesome. Okay. And then, yeah, I'll put all the links below so you guys can go connect with Alicia. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. Did you love this episode? If you answered yes to that, I would so appreciate if you headed down and left a rating and a review. That would mean so much to me. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for spending your time here, and I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day.